Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fit and Free with AIM. This week on my stories on the fitandfree.podcast Instagram, I actually asked for some feedback in terms of the topics that you would love to hear. And I really was surprised that mindset won by a landslide. So it could be because most of my listeners are typically from Australia and in Australia at the moment, it is pretty dark, pretty cold and potentially a time where mojo is decreasing. But I was really, I was really uh, inspired to film or record my next episode on mindset to give you guys exactly what you wanted. And I also learned that you also love like actionable lists or takeaway action steps that you can implement straight away. Typically, most of my episodes are like that. I guess the ones that I do with guests are a little bit more chit chatty. So this episode, I'm going to give you a double whammy of everything you want. So it's going to be related to books that really helped to shape my mindset with where I'm at now. And in terms of like food and training and my physique, honestly, it's like 11 out of 10. And it has been that way for quite a few years. And a lot of these books had a big part to play in it. Now, some of the other themes aren't specifically like you know, fitness or nutrition related, but the overall themes are extremely, extremely relevant. And the other thing that I found is when we're embodying this person who thinks this kind of way, and you'll see there's really similar themes across all of these books, it really leaks into all areas of our life, of our life. So if we perhaps are first able to apply it to our work or our relationships or whatever, it will filter through eventually because we just start embodying this person and the way we think, the way we see the world, it really just leaks into every other area of our life. And sometimes we can find that particular areas are greater sticking points than others. But I think as I go through this, you will see what I'm talking about with really, really similar themes. So with that being said, as always, I would absolutely appreciate if there's particular moments of this podcast that really resonate with you, if you could um, take a screenshot that you're listening and then tag me on your stories, both Amy Louise Coaching and Fit and Free Podcast or either, whichever works for you. I would really, really appreciate that to be able to make sure that this podcast, the information, the transformation included in them is being able to be shared everywhere. So I would super appreciate that. And also if you would love to, if you really love the podcast, the best way that you can support me is by shooting me through a, um, a review on uh Apple Podcasts, that is the best way to support the podcast. And also let me know what you love about it and what you're getting away from it. So 
Apple Podcasts and then you can leave it a review and like some stars and stuff as well, which would be really, really appreciated by me. So without further ado, oh, did I, I don't think I mentioned if I sound a little bit uh, under the weather, it's because I am still recovering from a cold. So apologize for that, but I really wanted to get this episode out and I'm definitely feeling okay enough to record it. So without further ado, let us get into it. So I'm going to talk through my favorite mindset books and a little bit on each about what they taught me, the really big takeaways. And what I wanted to do when I was thinking about how would I present this list, I'm actually going to do it in order of when I found the book. So the earliest ones that I can remember when I was thinking about putting this episode together happened in my early 20s. And the most recent is as soon as last year when I'm looking at the list in the most recent ones that really stuck out to me. So it's spanning, what's that, 10, 15 years-ish? 15 years, maybe not that many, maybe 10 to 15 years. Okay, so the first book is called Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves, and it's by a lady called Amy Olhers. It's A-H-L-E-R-S. So this is one of the first books that had a profound impact on my self-talk. Now, I recommend this book to a lot of my clients. So what was the biggest impact this book gave me? This is the first time I'd really come across the concept of separating the voices in my head. And I hope I don't sound insane. I'm sure we, most of us, I think most people have a voice in their head that's sort of like that daily commentary of what they're doing. And then also, you know, judgments about like, I should do this. I shouldn't do this. I need to do that, blah, blah, blah. This, this means, you know, you did this and this means this about you. Right. But I have a very clear inner critic in my head. And I imagine if you're listening to this and you resonate with me in the podcast, you probably do too. And this book really started to show me that we can separate ourselves from the inner critic. And it it was also a really fun way of separating yourself and taking your power back, but also giving her a bit of a name and just telling her the way things are going to be. So we're really separating ourselves and um, disconnecting from that part of us that completely identifies with this very, very harsh critic. And you know what, in the, in the, in the coaching work that I do, I coach a lot of women who have significantly high standards. They're very ambitious. They expect a lot from themselves, right? And for a lot of them, they're in a critic. I think that they, to be honest, it's, they almost really enjoy identifying with, and it's, I'm going to come to a book soon called Existential Kink, and this plays into this theme really well, but you might hear me saying this, and there might be quite a lot of resistance to separating yourself from your inner critic, because you might actually think that, no, my inner critic is just making sure I meet these high standards. And as soon as I try and separate myself from her, I'm going to be lazy. I'm not going to achieve all of the things that I want to achieve. And I'm just not going to be as quote unquote good as I could be with this inner critic, right? And it's a really interesting theme. It's definitely something I have tossed around in my head before. You know, where is that line between being your um, number one fangirl, but also just 
giving yourself a dose of reality and being like, you know what, you need to do X, Y, Z better. You need to pull up your socks here. This and this and this isn't meeting the standard. But there is a massive difference between having a standard, not meeting it and realizing it and being a fucking harsh bitch to yourself. There is a real difference, right? So it's like, just say you were you're, you were a teacher, you had no emotional attachment to your students <laughs> in terms of, you know, favorites and non-favorites and all those sorts of things, but you were trying to, sorry, you taught them a lesson, they sat a test, and obviously there's going to be different grades, right? There's going to be some people who do well, some people who do mediocre, and some people who do poorly. And none of those things are like, um, what do we call it? Subjective. It's an objective measure. You know, you took a test and you, you scored a result. But the way you would go about hopefully tutoring those kids who didn't perform poorly, you know, it's not going to be included with a fucking barrage of insults and you're so shit, you're a shitty person, you're worse than everybody else. Um, why did you even think you could attempt doing this test? Um, you're an idiot. Look, I'm not even going to continue going down that thought that um, thought process, but you you've got it right. We can tutor a kid <laughs> to help them improve their results without all of that like emotional barrage of just um, insults, right? And just when you think about talking to yourself have a look at the separation between you being able to say, you know what, like I wanted to train or I wanted to do this so many times last week and I didn't meet that standard. I'm not saying that you go, oh, that's fine. Like it's fine. It's all sunshine and rainbows because we're being kind to ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can go, you know what? Okay. So I didn't meet those standards this is where I can see the obstacles came up and this is what I'm going to do. So think about that teacher tutoring the kids to help them improve the test results, right? Which doesn't have to come with the emotional barrage of insults and put downs and negativity. So there you can see the separation between the two, right? And I think Big Fat Lies was the first time I really understood that, that it's okay. Like I can be not meeting my own standards and I can work to improve them, but it actually doesn't need to come with all of the hurt that I'm causing myself, which to be honest with you, doesn't really end up being a sustainable source of energy as we move forward through achievements and just progression and growth over time. Coming out out, like if you think of being a student again, It's like, who were the teachers that you really loved and what were the subjects that you got the most out of? You know, it's when the teacher obviously is extremely helpful. So they have, you know, really um, palatable ways of providing information, but it's very, very relevant and it's um, effective. They're also in some manner, to some extent, kind or understanding or just even like rash it doesn't even have to be kind they're just rational rational and reasonable um but they also you know uh have this desire for you to be better so they they just know that you're capable of more they they always know that you're capable of more because you you are and not in a way that you know is putting you down it's just like like i know like it's a belief that i have that you are capable of better and so these are just the basic steps that we're going to take to get there there's just no other bullshit. There's no, um, you know, anger or temper tantrums or any of those sorts of things that you might have had from maybe other teachers who, quite frankly, um, maybe need to brush up on their effective teaching skills. But I hope you can see the point. 
And there was another book that is similar to this that I came across a long time. So it it doesn't specifically make the list because for me, Big Fat Lies was definitely, sorry, Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves was definitely the pivotal book. But if you've read You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, it doesn't go into, it, it is a very different book to Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves, but it still really gets you to think about that inner voice and inner critic that's stopping you doing the things and um, how would you do them anyway. So that could be another book that you might resonate with more um, that has some similarities, but, um, and yeah, a, a similar kind of vibe, but they are still very, very different books. I just wanted to chuck that other one in there as a bonus if you hadn't heard of it. And I believe Jen Sincera has also done like You Are a Badass at Making Money, which I'm not sure. I think I might've read as well, but it that's a specifically like financial wing of this. Okay. So that was the first one and it's, it's pivotal. It's, I still refer my clients to it. And, um, the way I speak to myself now, I must admit there, I go through ebbs and flows like any other human, but when I'm really on this and really able to name her, give her a name and say something to her, like, yo, you know, I can hear you there. You're going to, you're not going to be in the driver's seat of this car. You can sit in the back and I can listen to what you have to say. And I know you're trying to look out for me. You're trying to make sure I don't fail. You're make, you're trying to protect my ego, but you're not in the driver's seat. So I'll, I'll literally speak to her. And I've said to my clients before, I don't care if you think I sound like a crazy coach. I want you to separate her, those voices from you. And I want you to tell her what what's happening. I want you to tell her that we're not going to continue down this path of insults anymore. I know I need to do X, Y, Z, and I'm going to do them. And these are the rational, logical steps I'm going to take to do it. I do not need your bullshit, you know, backseat driving. I don't need it. Okay. So really, really important to think about there. So from there, the next book is a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I came across this book, I think at 21 or 22. This is probably like the most pivotal book I've ever read ever out of all of them. And I kind of think like, I don't believe I ever read The Secret, but to be honest with you, um, whilst there are some useful things potentially in there, kind of have this opinion of the secret that it's just mass produced bullshit that doesn't really help anyone and I know a lot of people would disagree with that and that's fine but I feel that Think and Grow Rich was like the I believe it was written in like 1918 or 1911 I don't know it was written ages ago I feel like this is the first like like manifestation book and um, again I I hope I don't lose people with any woo-woo stuff because it's actually not I don't think it was actually put out there as like a woo-woo book at the time I think believe it was written by like an um, an investor and um, a businessman and it it's like it comes across as a very kind of like investory boring book but when you start to read it it it's there is some woo in there which is yeah cleverly disguised I think so I actually have a list of um, the chapter topics up in front of me and I just wanted to go through a few of them so I can properly communicate how decent this book is and the first the first chapter really talks on desire 
And this is the pivotal chapter that really changed my mind. The other concepts, it's funny when I think back to it, the other concepts, because at the time I was at university studying law and I had in my head that I was going to go into a career and I had all these ideas in my mind about what life needed to look like for me to be successful. I had this idea in my head that, and this wasn't from me, this wasn't an internal idea of success. So I've had to let this go over the years and it's been an incredibly uncomfortable process to let it go. But because of what I was taught, I believed that success in life was going to university, getting a career, staying in the same job for many, many years, working your way up the ladder, buying a house. That was what success meant to me. And well, that's what I was told success meant. So when I picked up this book, right, think of me having that mindset. So that's the lens I was reading this book through. It's, It's funny too. So I read this first chapter called Desire and it's where it's like, you don't have like just a hope or it'd be nice if this happens or I want X, Y, Z. It's a literal obsession. Now I did resonate with this because I think I might have, sort of pushed it down over time but I definitely have a an obsessive nature and I would actually say I do have even though I have a pretty significant inner critic and I can see that I have I definitely have a lot of mindset blocks still that I also can see I really do have a an obsession in me like I can feel it I I know it And this chapter really resonated with me. And the note that I wrote when I was reflecting on this book was, this was the first time I'd really heard of a story um, inside a book where it was like, don't basically don't have a plan B, right? And I, I need to explain this a little bit. But this first chapter that talks about desire, I believe that they, the, the analogy they used or the story they used in this chapter was of basically like a, I can't remember who it was now, but like some, you know, teenager, young adult getting a train ticket to somewhere and not getting a ticket back, like no return ticket. So basically burning his bridges and just going, this is the path I'm taking and I don't care if I am homeless I'm going to make it work. Like whatever I have to do to make it work, I'm going to make it work. And it's really interesting with this concept of not having a plan B um, and just playing around with the realities of what that means. And then also looking at culturally like privilege and all of that sort of stuff. I don't really want to take this podcast down into that direction because it would probably go for four hours and I'm not well read on those topics. But I do have an inkling that if you're able to listen to this podcast, you probably have a certain degree of privilege where for us, yes, like having a burning and consuming obsession or desire Typically, we're going to have the resources to be able to get us to that end point, right? Now, the other key concept of this piece is not having impatience, right? Sorry, not being impatient, right? So it's like, if you really wanted something, you are not going to care if it takes you one year or 50 years to get there. Like, just think about having something that you want so, so, so much or a focus or a direction for your life that is so significant to you that it doesn't matter how long it takes, 
you are going to do whatever you need to do anyway. And again, I can hear the objections coming up, but what's the point of doing it if I don't know that I'm going to succeed? And to that, I'm going to actually say to you, then it's not an obsession. It's not an actual desire that you have because I know what it feels like to have them and you don't care. The pursuit in in and of itself of that thing is always enough because it's such an obsession. Like that's the degree we're talking about, right? And maybe you have this in you too. Maybe you have it and it's been pushed down by all of the now, now, now hustle culture, um, the, the really the Western culture of success means you need to have it today or tomorrow. Or if you don't, what's the point? Like, you know, just give up. And I would say to you, that's not actually what this desire is. It's this, that is this first chapter in this book. And sorry, I also should say that the heading of um, this little diagram that I'm looking at the moment that explains this book is the 13 principles of success consciousness, right? So this is a, this is the main principle. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Okay. So if we don't have this burning desire in terms of success, we're not going to be able to weather any storms. Like think of the athletes that have overcome like obstacles that you could never even imagine yourself, um, you know, being involved in to achieve amazing things. It's because they had this burning desire. If they didn't, they would have given up. You know, I do hear a lot like, well, if this isn't working, then what's the point? And it's like, you need to ask yourself that question. <laughs> like, don't ask me what's the point. You tell me what's the point. Because if you don't really want it, well, then what the fuck is the point? Why are you doing this, right? And it's like, this is why thinking about your why, your values, how you want to show up in life. But also, if we go back to the first book, not letting your inner critic stop you from what you really want, you know? If you have the desire to show up in a certain way, don't let that inner critic stop you pursuing that, no matter if you can see evidence of it being successful yet or not continue to work, continue to open up your thought processes in terms of, well, do I need extra resources? Do I need extra help? Do I need to think about this in a different way? But what do we need? We need that underlying desire. We need that obsessive desire to be whatever, to have whatever, to continue along the way. So the biggest topic that I got for Think and Grow Rich or the the most potent takeaway was this kind of don't have a plan B when you're um, wanting to achieve something. And, and I don't think it's, I don't take this in like that micro level, like, well, I want something that's, you know, three months away and I'm not going to have a plan B and I'm just going to, you know, um, go towards one thing. I, I really take this as more of a, a macro level outlook on like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop moving towards those things just because little things along the way there are ups and downs and some things don't work on the surface it's like you know what they say um if you um what is it if you don't if you can't achieve your goal don't change the goal change the plan or whatever I can't remember but you know, I think you know what I'm talking about right so um it's like the best analogy I can think of is like if someone has I guess a plan to like they really no, I'm actually not going to go there. It's not a good one. Maybe we can cut this bit out of the episode. But the other chapters in this topic are faith. Really, really important. To be really honest with you, if you can't tap into at least some part of you that believes you can achieve what you're 
what you're wanting to achieve, again, any storm that comes along, you're going to fall flat and you're going to stop. And it doesn't mean you have to have 100% faith and trust in yourself no matter what, because I don't know that that's realistic. I think, again, if we have this inner critic, she's going to come up sometimes and and have a doubt but the foundation is look I know I'm going to have doubts I know I'm going to question whether I have the ability to do this but you know what I believe that I am capable of figuring this out even if it looks really really hard even if it looks like it's not going to work the underlying concept of faith does exist at all times okay then there is um, another one is like specialized knowledge. So of course, making sure you have the knowledge you need to succeed, because of course, if you're just doing the same things over and over again, they're not working and you're stagnant, but you're just sitting in faith, you know, maybe we need some expert knowledge. Imagination. So I would also say imagination, like being resourceful. So thinking outside of the box, of course, having a plan, making a decision, just deciding that you're going to do whatever you're going to do, see it through when it doesn't work, uh, ask yourself, you know, what can I learn from this to move forward? Of course, persistence, continuing to um, work towards the things you're wanting to achieve, having a mastermind. So I love this one. And again, I came to this concept when I was like thinking of a career and moving forward. And so I was like, I love it. You know, I don't really quite know how it works, but I do remember at one stage wanting to engage a mentor in my old job. It just so happened that through that old job, I was like, this really isn't right for me. And I knew that I wasn't going to last in that, um, in that job. And I started looking at, you know, studying other, I started studying graduate diploma of wellness. Um, and I knew I was sort of going in a sort of wellness or health direction. So I left looking for a legal mentor, but, um, having some kind of group around you of people who are um, actually ahead of you is really, really helpful. So whether that is having a coach or having friends who are further down the line and have achieved the things that you want to achieve, surrounding yourself with those people. There's actually a chapter in there about sex and the power of sex. Um, Then there's some more, it's not woo-woo stuff. It's just the subconscious mind. It's just our conditioning and um, those kinds of things. And then also like our brain and our brain states. And then it starts to get into that law of attraction stuff with like thought vibrations and energy. And um, then it does go right off into the woo-woo with like six senses and all that sort of stuff, right? But you can see there's really tangible stuff in there, like the desire, the faith, the specialized knowledge, um, imagination, planning, making a decision, persistence, and the mastermind stuff. Even like the brain things and the thoughts um, is all, that's all really logical, hardcore, like logical stuff, right? That um, we can, or tangible things that we can take away from that. So this was probably out of all of the books, you can apply it to multiple areas of your life. It's not just money and business. It's definitely with physique and training as well. So I would highly recommend that book. Yes, it's old. Yes, it might look a bit weird to you when you pick it up. And um, depending on which edition you get, you know, the writing might be really small. It's a strange book, but it is significantly, significantly profound. So from there, the next, hang on one sec. Sorry, I just got distracted by a knock at the door. I'm redoing my office and I just got one more piece for my office. So I'm very, very excited. But I believe I was finishing up the uh, summary of Think and Grow Rich. So the next book was called, you can see I was on like a money sort of thing at this point in time of my life. 
but was The Beginner's Guide to Wealth by Noel Whittaker. Now, at the point in time, again, so I was still around this early 20s, I think, early 20s. And what this book conveyed was one of the most critical sentences, no, one of the most valuable sentences I say to to myself over and over and over again. And I've said it on Instagram posts. I've said it to my clients, which is sacrificing the ice cream for the bike. Now in this book, he's, he's specifically talking about financially making sure that, or I'll give you the story, right? Being a little kid, you're getting pocket money. All of your friends are getting ice creams every single week, but you sacrifice the ice cream. So you don't join in. You don't participate with your friends. You let FOMO do its thing, whatever. You're cool with it because you're saving up to buy a bicycle. Then you get the bicycle, right? All your friends had ice creams weekly. They don't have bikes. You have a bike. And this is just, it's such a concept you can apply to everything. I Like, I love this so much. And I say it over my head in my head so many times whenever I'm foregoing something in the moment because I know what I want is way more meaningful than that little hit in the moment so sacrificing the ice cream for the bike is like you know you can use this when you're in a deficit literally it's like I'm not going to engage in all of the drinking and all of the partying and all of that that my friends are right now I'm going to sacrifice that because I want the physique result that comes as a result of me doing the things that I need to do it can be in relationship to getting a hypertrophy result in terms of like maybe being in a surplus I'm going to sacrifice the summer of you know feeling amazingly lean and all of those great feelings that come with being lean this summer because I am partway through a bulk and or a, you know growth phase and I don't want to ruin it and why why am I sacrificing that summer of being lean and feeling like amazing in my skin because I know at the end of that I'm going to get the bike I'm going to get that jack lean physique next year and I like this this whole analogy is it just is so profound to me and I don't know if it's hitting you as much as it hit me I hope it is but whenever I have those miniature temptations that come up I say in my head sacrifice the ice cream for the bike I know what this means to me and I know that I can withstand almost anything because it's seasonal and at the end of what I'm doing I know that I'm going to get the thing that I want it's that delayed gratification piece and I bloody love it. It makes me so happy. I feel so good. I like, I'm even really, I'm feeling so positive just telling you guys this on the podcast, but I hope that it's hitting you as much as it hit me. The next book is called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And this book I read during lockdown. It's a short book and it's pretty easy to read. It is very much, I would sort of say in the, I guess, spiritual space, it's talking a lot about consciousness. You know, I guess the title of the topic says a lot, The Untethered Soul. But it is really about, again, kind of separating our ego from our, excuse me, from ourselves, getting out of our own way and really making sure that we're reflecting on what's going on in our head and like the human feeling, the very, very human feelings and thoughts and emotions that come up. 
the sort of autopilot reactions that that typically causes and then the life that that causes versus having, of course, all of the human things come up, but being able to reflect on it with space and with just peace, you know, and, and separate that from ourselves, which really sets us free. Now, a concept that comes up in this book is about basically think of yourself in, this is a weird setting, but think of yourself in a stream, a stream that it has a very like significant, um, strong flow of water, like very, very dense water, dense water. That's not even a thing. I feel like because of the medication that I'm on, my brain is not as sharp, but I really wanted to do this episode for you. Just think of in a stream that is choppy, choppy, you know, it's hurtling down, right? And you're holding onto a rock. Like, I love this visual. You're holding onto a rock. You're laying in the stream, but you're holding on for dear life. Like, think of that. You're holding onto this rock for dear life. And the stream, the water is like hurtling past you. There's so much resistance. You're holding on. Feel that for a moment. Literally, like, close your eyes and hopefully you're not driving. Feel that. Like, you can feel the resistance. You're you're scared. You're not sure what's going to happen. You're terrified, right, in this moment. What happens if you let go and float with the current? That's the word I was looking for before, current. You let go and float with the current. Yes, okay, maybe it's choppy. Maybe it's a little bit scary, but there's no resistance. You're moving with it. And I absolutely love this analogy. And it's like whenever you're feeling significant resistance to something, you know, you can ask yourself the question like, what if I let go? and go with this current what if i let it take me what if i stop trying to control everything so much because that's not fucking working for me anyway i'm feeling significant resistance i'm scared i'm terrified i'm holding on and as more i hold on the more i feel my you know group group loosening and i'm not getting what i want just go with the flow let go literally let go and what happens it's just the most interesting thing and another book that feeds into this is literally called letting go by david r hawkins now i actually read letting go before untethered soul but letting go i thought was less spiritual and it has some like more concrete examples of like health stuff and all that tied into it Um, but these two books together letting go by david r hawkins and the untethered soul by michael a singer I think her amazing books. And I must admit, when I was reading Letting Go, I was kind of like, yeah, but where is the five steps to letting go? I'm such a, like you, I think. (laughs) I want steps, like give me the steps. And a lot of the spiritual sort of guidance that I had previously were like, don't worry about the steps. Like, don't worry about the how, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I'm not entirely sure I love that because I think we can give people a little bit more direction on the how. And for me, I love the analogy work because when um, I say like, how do I let go? We can think of that analogy and like, what does it mean for you in this particular situation to flow with the current? And that might help direct you in terms of, okay, so how do I actually let go of this thing? What does flowing with the current mean? And it could be like detaching from my ego. Okay, so my ego is saying to me, I need to stay in this relationship or I'm a failure. You know, what does letting go look like? That's quite an actually, like that's a really obvious example, I guess. It's like, you know what? I actually know that this relationship is not good for myself. I know it's going to be really, really hard in that breakup period. um, And I'm going to be, I imagine there's going to be a lot of pain. 
But for me, letting go literally means in this situation, letting go. Um, In other situations, it could be like, well, I want to go for this new job, but I'm terrified of the interview. I don't know what the interview is, you know, how that's going to go down. So maybe I won't because I'm too scared to do that, right? Letting go in that situation means actually attending the interview and just letting go of the outcome, like letting go of, well, I have no control over the interview questions. I have no control over whether they're going to pick me or not. What I have control of is showing up at the interview and doing my best. And that's a form of letting go. Um, I'm just trying to think in terms of like training and nutrition, letting go of, okay, so it could be say I'm preparing for a bikini comp, right? And it's like, there is, has to be an element when I'm preparing for a bikini comp of actually letting go of being completely committed to the show date, because even though I need a date to work towards, and that's what we're going to work towards, there's so many things that can happen. For example, a lockdown, for example, illness or whatever, that might mean that I actually can't, you know, do that particular show. So to an extent, it's going, you know, I'm going to do absolutely everything my power to get on the stage. I'm actually going to let go of the date whether it's this year or next year or whatever, I'm obviously going to work towards this year in October on the 30th. But should that not happen, I can let go of that, of that being like a condition for my happiness. (laughs) And I can say, that's okay. Like I'm going to work towards that. And if that doesn't happen, I'll do season A, whatever. Right. So those two books together, I think work really, really well. And they both had a really profound impact on me. They're also really good at, I think helping you, again, it goes back to that first book, you know, really separate yourself from the, that inner critic or that egoic voice or like putting, um, conditions that aren't actually naturally yours on top of everything. So, um, let me think about it. This is, this is totally unrelated. It's actually another book that I loved, but it's not as much related to training and nutrition, but it was called the psychology of money. Another book that I read during lockdown and that had a profound impact on me. And it was the catalyst for me doing my, if you know, maybe, you know, (laughs) I did a six month no buy that actually extended to about eight months. And that book really got me to question why am I buying things? Because, and for me, a, a few of them was the answer. And I'm happy to admit this was that I wanted people to perceive me in a particular way. I let go of that because that, well, that book made me question that. Is it really worth, worth my time and effort to be buying things to be perceived in a particular way? Hell no, right? It was just a layer of conditioning that I needed to let go of. So that's just another example of what this letting go does and how it impacts you overall. But it could even be like um, if you're a coach and you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm you know not getting as much engagement because I'm not as pretty as the next girl. I don't have the latest clothes. I'm not as smart as her. I'm not as this and blah, blah, blah. If you let go of all of those stories and just fucking show up... <laughs> you're going to get a much better result, right? So these two books really help you let go of all of that cultural conditioning, all of those voices that are really holding you back from just doing what you're actually here to do, what you actually really want to do, right? So I love them. Then we're coming into the last book, which is called Existential Kink. And it's a bit of an odd one and it's not going to be for everyone. It could be highly offensive to you. I don't know. I really resonated with it. And I must admit, I'm just going to say this out there in terms of like trauma, I haven't had any of those like, um, far out. We're going to go deep, a deep dive right now, maybe a bit of a trigger warning, but 
I haven't had anything like physical abuse or sexual abuse or any of those sorts of things happen to me. So if you have, maybe this is not the book for you. And at the start of this episode, at the start of this episode, I was talking about, you know, having some kind of privilege being here. The reason why I said that is like, I don't know if all of these things really do apply to you if you're stuck in a cycle of complete and utter poverty. You know, I, I, I just I just have no experience with that, so I don't know. And this is kind of the same thing with this book, Existential Kink. I'm not a psychologist and I haven't had that like deep significant trauma. So what I'm what I'm talking about is because in Existential Kink, she actually talks about you know, all of the annoying things that we keep doing, whether it's the same patterns with food or the same patterns with training that seem like self-sabotage to us, you know, giving up on things, just repeating the same poor behaviors that we hate, going out drinking all the time, um, overeating, like under-eating, whatever it may be. She actually puts (laughs) puts it out there that there is some kind of like kinky thing that you like about it. So now that I've said that sentence, you can probably see why I put that massive disclaimer at the start of this because I'm not here to offend anyone and I, I I'm not a psychologist and I'm not out here saying that you're the result of your own significant pain and trauma that's not what I'm saying by this but if it's something that maybe there are some less serious things that you keep doing as patterns over and over again that are really annoying to you like you keep hanging out with the group of friends that you know are a bad influence like that's probably a really you know sort of surface level one this book could be useful it really dives into the part of us that we don't want to admit to the character traits of us that we don't want to bring up to the surface that we don't want to admit that we are a you know a dual person we have shades of you know everything from black white to gray within us like we do do some things that are pretty shitty that we don't like about ourselves we do some things that are amazing and we do some things that are kind of in between and this book is about really highlighting and bringing up the things that we do that we really don't like about ourselves understanding that there's a part of us that actually wants to do those things for whatever a particular reason and it's really about like transmuting that um, which is why the book is called existential king so I did just want to put that disclaimer on the start of it and it's definitely not forever on this book it's potentially highly triggering so just watch out I, yeah just watch out with reading that and just be your own um, yeah use your own common sense about whether that's book for book is for you but for some of you it may just be a huge light bulb so I didn't want to miss out so that rounds up the list of books that had had a huge impact on me now there are a few that I did want to mention which I think I'd be remiss if I didn't so there are three books about habits atomic habits which a lot of you would know the power of habit and tiny habits if you're a person who really likes logical books (laughs) that are written about habits and maybe your habits are something that you're struggling with. Those three are amazing. Atomic habits, the power of habits and tiny habits. If you want a more psychological, less woo-woo based book on um, cognitive behavioral therapy, sorry, it's dialectical behavioral therapy, which is an offshoot of cognitive behavioral therapy, I believe. Again, I'm not a psychologist. You may absolutely love the book called Calm in the Emotional Storm by Sherry Van Dyke, D-I-J-K. This book is amazing. It's 
firmly rooted in principles of psychology. It's all about dialectical behavioral therapy. It has specific activities for every chapter of the book. And it's really, again, looking at that separation between like autopilot knee-jerk reactions and narratives that we have that are keeping us stuck. And how do we start to actually change our, literally like our personality, how we're showing up and this is a book that, again, I recommend to a lot of my clients. It's not woo-woo in any way, shape, or form, and it may serve a lot of you in actual steps to work through situations um, that make us less prone to emotional swings, okay? Or even actually, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. And then the last one is woo-woo. It's called You Can Heal Your Life, Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. So again, other people, like plenty of people have their opinions on Louise Hay and this sort of world, this sort of spiritual pseudoscience, whatever world is what it is. I still think there are plenty of useful takeaways in a book like You Can Heal Your Life. It's really just helping us focus on our own power, taking us out of a victim mindset and making sure that we are coming at the world through that lens of, you know what? We have the power to change things. We have the power to show up in the ways that we want to. And yes, it's going to take work. But these books, I think I think for the right person, they can be really, really helpful as well. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you, t- you took away a lot of value from it. Please, 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 if any of these books were like on your list as well as being really profound, message me and let me know. If you read any because of this podcast, tag me, please let me know. I love to hear it. And um, if you have questions or, or you want to chat about these books in the discussion, maybe you want to tell me that some of them sucked, some of them were amazing also um, give me a shout in the dms so that being said thank you so much for tuning in to another episode if you have ideas for topics for other episodes or you wanted to um, put forward a topic definitely shoot me through a dm as well and i will speak to you guys very very soon